Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Our scripture today is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 15. I'm reading uh, verses 10 through 20. Then Jesus called the crowd to him and said to them, Listen and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles. Then the disciples approached him and said to him, Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They're blind guides of the blind. And if one blind person guides another, both will fall into the pit. Peter said to him, Explain this parable to us. Then he said, Are you also still without understanding? Do do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart comes evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat With unwashed hands, does not defile. Well, as you know, God made covenant with Abraham, covenant with Abraham to promise uh, land and and, uh, offspring, descendants that would be more than the stars in the sky. But how are these people to live in covenant with each other? How do the people of God live in fullness and harmony with each other and as the delight of God? So, we needed some rules for understanding how to live this life together. And Moses came down from the mountain with an outline of what life should look like. He brought a tablet, the law, the Ten Commandments. The first ones on that list about how to live in relationship to God. The latter ones about how to live in relationship to each other. But then more questions kept bubbling up. For instance, the, the tablets didn't clear up everything. How do we interpret the law that's there? So, for instance... The tab, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. But this leads to questions. What constitutes work? How many steps am I allowed to take on the Sabbath before it's turned into a working Sabbath? What if my ox falls in a ditch on the Sabbath? Do I have to wait until sundown to get my ox out of the ditch? Or can I save the ox? Is that, does that constitute work? You see. These are reasonable questions. Any follower of the law would want to know really what the law 
is so that he or she doesn't break it. And they're serious about keeping God's covenant so the religious leaders are helping out to understand how to interpret these laws. Among the rules about uh, living together and what constitutes the Sabbath, there there are also rules about the diet and keeping kosher. The law of Moses permits eating only land animals that chew their cud, have cloven hooves. There are all kinds of specific laws uh, in, in the legal code. Somebody sat down and counted them, 613 in all. And in, the, in this avalanche of laws that the people of God are trying to keep, for some, for some, piety became equated with how seriously you kept the law, and sadly for some, the spirit behind the law just kind of lost focus. Remember, the Sabbath was intended to be a spiritual discipline of worship and communion and renewal. But some had lost focus about that and were just going around checking their Fitbit to make sure they had not made too many steps on that day. They, they were learning how to live from within a written code, and it's not easy to learn how to live from a rule book. I, I tried to imagine what it, would be, what it would look like if you uh, learned to play golf and had never seen anybody do it. That, that you learned to hit a golf ball only by reading the rule book, only by reading instructions on how to hit a golf ball. Imagine that. You've never seen somebody hit a seven iron, and you've got to figure out how to do it by just going through the rules. Interlock your pinky with your forefinger and grip the club. Stand with your feet shoulder width apart. Put the ball just behind midway in your stance. Bend your knees slightly. Get uh, Get your front arm straight as you can, but keep everything completely relaxed. And pretend there's a steel bar running down your spine that connects to the, to the ground and turn on that axis. When you turn on that axis, remember to keep your head perfectly still, getting the club parallel to the ground on the backswing. Go back, come through as smoothly and with as much tempo as possible. Remember to keep very little tension in your forearm, but keep your head perfectly still. Coil your body as far back as possible, but don't lose balance. Remember not to move that head. Release with the lead hip. Get those hips out of the way as you descend on the ball, making a slight divot. Finish the swing completely. Continue to keep your head still throughout all of this, looking at where the ball used to be. Now, can you imagine? How ugly a golf swing would be if you tried to do that and had never seen anybody do it. But if you've ever seen Freddie Couples hit a seven iron, it it, it looks beautiful and natural and effortless. All the rules that I just mentioned are kept in what he does, but it doesn't look like rules at all. It looks like dance. Like, like poetry. Now, with somebody to imitate, the rules suddenly make sense. God sent Jesus into the world to show us how these rules 
how the law was to be embodied and how it would teach us to live before God and each other. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We have now a model. But for some, for some of the ancient Jews, keeping the laws became an end unto themselves. As I said, the the rules had started to devolve for some, and it was not so much a, a discipline of honoring God as a way of keeping score, figuring out who was in, who was out. The Pharisees, keepers and interpreters of this legal tradition, So you can imagine that they're not too happy with the young rabbi who is going around saying, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person. It's it's what comes out of a mouth that defiles. Because Jesus' teaching contradicted what the Pharisees are very serious about. They're very serious about the rules, what people eat, what defiles. The Pharisees are not bad guys. They're keepers of the tradition. That can be quite a good thing. But the disciples warned Jesus that he's not making friends among the religious leadership right now. The stuff he's teaching about the dietary laws has got the Pharisees a little bit riled up. Do you know that the Pharisees took offense when they heard what you said? They said to Jesus. And Jesus uses one of the crudest images in all of his teaching. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out the sewer? Yeah, he actually really said that. All this ado, all of this big concern about before God about what you eat, digest, and flush. God is a whole lot more concerned about what comes out of your mouth than what you had for lunch. What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. This biblical tension is still alive Is being a good Christian mostly about personal disciplines, devotion? Or is being a good Christian mostly about working for kindness and justice? Both traditions are alive and well, though though the emphasis on personal piety has waned in, in recent years. Many of you grew up in an era when Christianity was equated uh, with, uh, it, it was marked by people who stayed away from cigarettes or mis- mixed bathing or card playing or whatever. The re- those were the religious uh, traditions of the Christian pure. By the way, uh, mixed bathing is an old term. It's not nearly as racy as it sounds. That was boys and girls going swimming together. I remember I was invited when I, when I was at Mercer, I was invited to teach uh, a section at Palm Beach Atlantic College in Florida. I was doing a lecture on Baptist education and Baptist theological education. 
And I'm digging around on that and came up with a couple of really interesting findings. One was that almost all of the Baptist colleges in this country were started in a 50-year period. From uh, 1825 to 1875, almost every Baptist college was birthed. But more interesting to me was that almost every Baptist college opened in the middle of nowhere. Let me give you a sample. Baylor in Waco, Texas. Mercer in Penfield, Georgia. Campbell in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, and Stetson in DeLand, Florida. So why why would you open a college in the middle of nowhere? That makes no sense. So I started digging around to figure this out. Turns out that these Baptist schools were opened in the middle of nowhere in an effort to keep the Baptist students as far away as possible from the sin of the city. That way they might have a harder time getting into something that might defile them. There's still some Puritan traditions, and and frankly, I grieve the loss of a lot of them. I, I, that might sound prudish to you, but, but I do think we misinterpret today's passage. If we suggest that Uh, What we put into our mouths, that is the disciplines of holiness, are unimportant. I think they are quite important. But I also think that what Jesus is clearly saying in today's scripture is that we can get out of balance if we only address our own religious practices and not the impact we're having on other people. So today, I think we need to uh, to be clear to make the loud point that Jesus is making in today's story. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out the sewer? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles. For out of the heart come evil intentions, murder, adultery, fornication, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile. What comes out of your mouth is an expression of what's in your heart. So when you say things that are not true, it expresses something about the condition of your soul. When you post ugliness on social media, it hurts other people. Eating with unwashed hands might damage you, but nobody else. What comes out of your mouth hurts other people, too. When you yell what you can't take back, when you operate out of prejudice or stereotype, when you criticize, when you make fun of others, you are betraying God's claim on your life. Do you not see? And whatever goes into the mouth enters the stomach and goes out the sewer. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles. Our personal devotion builds the muscle for being agents of God's grace in the world. But they're not an end into themselves. 
Your witness is not shaped by the number of Bible studies you attend or your Sunday school perfect attendance pin or from telling others that you read the Bible all the way through again this year. Those are not the witness. Those are the disciplines that inform the witness, which is to be an ambassador of God's love. If you come home from your weekly Bible study, get on the computer and degrade somebody on social media, something ain't right. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth, right, but what comes out is what has the possibility to defile. If I can reach back and use an earlier image, we have seen the perfect golf swing, right? I mean, we have seen what God intends. We have seen the written law take flesh and live among us. Jesus was an observant Jew who took prayer seriously. He took worship seriously. He would go in retreat and pray. But he would also touch a leper violating purity laws if it meant he could heal somebody. Even if it set the Pharisee's hair on fire, he would heal a man's withered hand on the Sabbath if it meant that somebody made in the image of God became more whole. Those loving acts, loving acts come from the life of devotion. What you put into your mouth is not an end of itself. Mark Twain said that, I love this line, he said of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son that he was a good man in the worst sense of the word. Have you ever known one of them? Someone who kept all the rules, brought their prayer journal to lunch, spoke in the King James English, and mean as a snake. This divided season of political difference, arguments about COVID protocols and racial misunderstanding, all of that, it might be a good time for us to remind each other that our witness is defined by what comes out of our mouth. Jesus said, what you eat today will be in the sewer tomorrow, but the hateful words that you speak will do damage for years to come. The perfect golf swing We have seen God's hope. We have seen what living the law in its fullness looks like. We have seen the best of the religious tradition acted out in acts of love and truth and healing. We have seen it. And he said, come follow me. We follow in that path to be agents of healing in the world. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.